On today's episode, I am going to be speaking with Kenny Rose, who is the founder and CEO of Franchares. Now, over this past year, for one reason or another, I've gotten really into reading about kind of the, the introduction and evolution of franchises in the United States. Whether that was reading books about Burger King or McDonald's, I learned all sorts of really interesting things about the franchise industry and started getting really interested in the concept of being able to invest into franchises because it's a really, really good business type to invest in. There's a lot more security in it and understanding of what the potential investment upside can be. Well, it's really hard to get into franchise investing as I soon learned, but there's a new platform called Franchares, which is created by Kenny Rose and is allowing people to invest small sums of money, just like on the equity crowdfunding platforms, but into franchise businesses specifically. And I think it's really, really cool. I'm a major fan of it. I'll definitely be investing on the platform myself uh, because one, I think the IRR, right? The investment return in franchises is quite good and much better understood than that of, of startups. So a really nice way to diversify. And two, there are so many different types of franchises and interesting businesses that you get to invest in. One thing that Kenny's gonna hit on in our episode is talking about the fact that franchising goes well beyond just food service which I think is how most of us know franchising in the United States. But it actually hits almost every industry you could think of, from med spas to garbage companies. So in this episode, you're going to learn, A, more about franchise investing, B, about the fact that franchising is a whole lot more than food services, and C, you're going to learn about the investment upside and intrigue there is to getting into this asset class. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Now, let's get started. Let's start with what is Franchares and how did you come to found it? So Franchares is the first investing platform that allows retail and institutional investors to invest in franchises like you could stocks for as little as $500. Uh, how it came to be is a bit longer than the tagline, but I uh, you know, got my career off in financial services. And so I used to work at Merrill Lynch advising people and how to grow and preserve their net worth. And uh, then robo-advisors came and I saw the writing on the wall and I wanted to look for another industry that had some tailwind and Ironically, went to one that was very, very old. Yeah, you know, I got someone talked about franchising, and I heard McDonald's, Subway, and Taco Bell. And then I quickly found out it's everything from hair care and automotive to fitness to waste management. I've seen the parking lot striping things as a franchise. Franchising's everywhere, just most people don't realize it. And I spent about a decade in the uh, franchise brokerage world. So kind of like being an investment advisor, but for buying a franchise. You know, you need to learn what franchises are and how they work. And I'd recommend specific brands based on their budget, skill set, and goals, and coach them through that research and purchase process. But then I uh, got to this point where I realized that there's a huge disconnect. People would want to invest in franchises, but they either didn't have enough money, they didn't have enough time, or they didn't have the right skill set. And on the other side, you have all these people who have worked in franchises forever who should be the franchisees, but they can't afford it. So you have this separation between capital and operators. And so Franchise was the natural fit to put in the middle to really connect people looking to deploy capital for those seeking it. So can you help us understand a little bit about what it takes to actually get a franchise up and running? You know, to be honest, there's a lot of answers to how to get one started because there are more franchise brands out there than there are stocks on the NASDAQ. So, and there's everything from retail to home business to uh, every which way you can work. In the real world, you can work in franchising. So. But to back it up, I'd say one of the biggest things it takes to start is the money. You know, when you go and apply to be a franchisee of anything, they, they skip past your experience, they skip past who you are, and they go straight to, what's their financials like? 
How much, what's their liquidity and what's their net worth? Those are the most important questions to even talk to anyone. And then even when you do do that, you then have to go through the research process to understand what's behind, what's in the box of that franchise. And so how do you get started? What's the launch process like? When you get going, what's it going to look like day to day? What can you make? How much does it really cost to get going? You have to learn all about this before you even get started. And then the great thing, though, is that being a franchise, once you do decide to move forward and you're getting started, you've got the franchise that's offering support and systems in place to get started and scale. And then you've got other franchisees who have been in your shoes before. And honestly, they're always families and franchise. Like, they want you to succeed. Your success is their success. You know, if McDonald's had half their uh, locations just doing whatever they wanted, not following the plan, it would hurt the other half. So they want to support you. They want you to be successful too. And um, yeah, so that's really how, in a very broad sense, what it takes to get started franchising today. Now, a lot of your listeners are very used to investing in startups and they're investing in startup equity. But when you invest on franchise shares, are you investing in equ equity or is it actually debt? What I'm trying to understand here is, you know, what type of returns are we looking at and how does that differ from something like a startup? Yeah, so we are investing in the equity side. Eventually, we'll do debt offerings, but, you know, one, one thing at a time. And uh, what they really like about this is that, you know, they're with equity, it's not just how much is my equity going to appreciate, like you typically see in startup investing, but these are cash-flowing businesses. And so we do quarterly uh, dividends based on the performance of the franchise. And then as far as performance, you know, I, I don't like getting in the SEC crosshairs, so I promise nothing, but I will say, like, uh, a lot of this space is dominated by private equity and family offices, and those are groups that need to hit those 25% RR numbers. And, you know, half of that can be from the income side, half can be from the equity side. And so, you know, we we try and get, we'll say, healthy returns for investors. And, you know, honestly, each offering is very different. You know, you're going to make different margins in, you know, a fast food place than you are in a waste management franchise. So it everyone's going to be different, just like any type of startup investment or stocks. That's why I hate painting it with a broad stroke. No, I, I totally understand that. And a little bit like I said earlier, you know, a franchise is a business in a box, but it's also a bit of an investment in a box, right? Where a gain is better understood, their parameters are better understood. So can you help us understand the difference between investing in a startup versus investing in a franchise? And how are you able to provide a better exit? Again, I recognize these are smaller returns, but there's a better expectation that you can actually get your money back rather than, you know, in a startup where there's a chance that it really fails and a lot of them will fail. Yeah. So, you know, just, I like to show, it's like difference between stocks and bonds. There's a lot, there's so much different about them. And so with startups, you're typically looking for boom or bust. You know, is it going to hundred X or just go out of business? And also there's not dividends being paid. They need that money to fuel the business. Uh, with franchising and through franchises, you're investing in equity and it's not boom or bust. I mean, you do get healthy returns, but it's not going to be a hundred X, you know, and honestly, usually when someone's telling you a hundred X, there's, they're hiding something, you know, honestly, I was a big skeptic on crypto and I'm glad I got to stick to my guns and it worked out well, well, not well for everyone. I'm sorry, but, um, you know, it's, uh, something where you're going to see healthy, consistent returns and something like that. And you also get that income side of things too, which we've got 42,000 change on our wait list for the next offerings. And honestly, 73% uh, of them are looking for passive income because it's so hard to find that anywhere else. And so, you know, it's not going to be as sexy as a startup investment, but it is going to be conservative. And honestly, it's conservative with the upside. That's why all-term investing is what it is. And, you know, typically it was uh, just like a lot of startup investing. You couldn't do it if you weren't uh, a non-accredited investor. And 
even accredited, it's still very hard to find those things. In franchising, it was impossible. So I'd say they're entirely different beasts, but they share the theme that they are businesses. I'd love to understand a little bit more about the types of investments that you have on the platform. Can you share some of the franchises that you actually have listed right now or have listed? Our uh, initial portfolio is one called, we call it the TNT franchise portfolio. And so with that, uh, I want to show people really the breadth of the franchise world. You know, most people just think it's fast food. And so, you know, I want to introduce them to like, hey, here's other food franchise, but also here's something super far away from franchising. So in the food side, you know, if you try and go for like a McDonald's, they're sold out in most markets. And so like, yes, we can invest them and we will, but you know, that's more like an income type investment as opposed to a growth one. So I wanted to give a growth investment. So uh, this brand Teriyaki Madness, they're the, uh, I think, top 10 uh, fastest growing uh, quick service restaurant in the country. And also what I really like about them is their lack of competition, which, you know, usually there's, there's never no competition, but when you think about in the Asian food quick service space, can you name one besides Panda Express? Yep, it happens every time. And so uh, I saw this space that was quick service Asian that has one major player, and then you've got one of the fastest growing franchises is in that space. And their executive team is just one that's very highly decorated. When you look at their, like the Chipotle meets Panda Express, it's all healthier, made to order, everything you want. And so uh, they already had uh, 150 locations, I believe, in development. And so that puts them in the top 15% of franchise brands out there already. And so that was one where it's like, hey, that's a food one I can stand behind. And then on the other side, I want to show them totally something different, which was in the waste management space. And it's a very unique uh, segment of it. And this is why I say they franchise everything. Um, you think about anything in the commercial space, whether it's construction or manufacturing or distribution, you ever seen those big open top dumpsters that, you know, are just constantly overflowing? Well, yeah, it costs a lot of money to haul that off to the dump every time. And so the franchise is called Smash My Trash. And what they do is they bring this truck with a big two-ton steel drum with teeth on it and mash everything down. It's a trash compactor on wheels for industrial trash. And so with that, you're saving them trips to the dump, and which saves them money. So even though you're charging a cost, you're saving the, uh, those business owners 20% or more on their waste management expenses. So TNT stands for takeout and trash because I have a terrible sense of humor. But, um, you know, investors have been loving everything and the location has been going off to a great start. And, you know, we invest in operators that really have that problem I talked about where, like, they are operators, but they don't have access to capital. Uh, we've got this husband-wife team in North Carolina, and they worked for Buffalo Wild Wings Corporate. And together, they, between them, they opened over 150 locations. So they're one of the reasons you know what Buffalo Wild Wings is. But they worked for corporate. They didn't make millions of dollars doing that. And so they came to Teriyaki Madness. They wanted to become their own owners finally. And they honestly scooped one up that was really underperforming because the owners weren't there. Again, that problem I was talking about. They doubled sales in the first month. And they've just exploded with that in the Charlotte market. And so those are the people you want to fund. But a bank's going to look at them being like, okay, what's your, what, what are your assets and what are your debt? I'm looking at them as operators. And as operators, those are the people you want to invest in. And so we opened a location actually in the suburbs of, of uh, Charlotte. And their first month, they did uh, about what an average location does after a couple of years. And so that's the power of investing in actual operators who need and deserve the capital. I didn't entirely make this up on my own. Chick-fil-A developed it years ago. Uh, if, you have, if you're a fan of uh, The Hustle, uh, it was actually the source for the story where it actually only cost 10 grand to own a Chick-fil-A instead of it being a two millions like it should. Because Chick-fil-A realized check writers don't grow brands. 
operators do, people do. So you have to start from within and work your way up. But once you get there, it's only 10 grand. And because of this style, the average unit volume is the highest in franchising, and it is harder to get a Chick-fil-A than it is to get into Harvard. And so that's what we bring to every other franchise brand out there. I absolutely love that. That's really, really interesting. So when you're looking for an operator, I'd love for you to help us understand what the due diligence process is and what are the characteristics that you're looking for. And how do you really lean in and find those best-in-class operators? And you know what's really great about that is that we just do the final cut because every franchise brand, again, people apply, one of the first thing they look at is what are they worth? They've already skipped 75% of those applications, yet they know who their best operators are. They know what you know where they've come from and like who grows these. Really, they're looking at who runs the place if, if they are even under a check writer. And so they've seen, okay, these people applied over the years, but they didn't have the capital. Now they get to go back and they say, we know this type of person is our ideal franchisee. They get to handpick their franchisees now, which is something they didn't get to do before. They had to really kind of see who's got the capital and then vet from there. And their goal is longstanding franchisees that pay them royalties till the end of time. So their incentives are aligned with ours. They don't want to just put anyone your way. So really us picking them wouldn't be the best idea because they know their business better. And so then we get to, they'll give us a short list and say, hey, here's the ones that we really like for it. And from there, you know, the couple things I'm looking for, like I said, background, especially, I don't, I don't care what their net worth is. I care how they work and what they can grow. They've been growing for someone else over time. And they want to do it for themselves. I want to talk to them and be like, I want to work with this person. Because frankly, those people are the faces of their franchises. And you want good faces in there representing yourself, your investor's capital, and the brand. And so with that, I'm looking at like, is this someone I trust? Then obviously we're looking into like how business savvy they are. And it's also a thing that we're training people up on is, you know, we want them to have employees who can grow into managers and eventually owners. And so now you have a new pinwheel going that is franchisees creating franchisees. And so it's a, it's something that's never been done before with the exception of Chick-fil-A and their results speak for themselves. And every franchisor we've talked to is very excited for because they've never been able to. When you're looking at these businesses, you know, you're finding these great operators and now you're saying, okay, well, can we help you raise the capital to open this location and run this store? So what is the structure of the deal? How are you making sure maybe that they can control ownership of it? And are you getting an equity stake in the business? Are you providing all the capital that they need to get the business started? I'd love to understand a little bit more about how this actually works. Great question. And you actually just tugged on uh, Chick-fil-A's Achilles heel. Because even though they have this great model, they don't give their owners equity, which is absolutely insane to me. And to me, I'm not a greedy guy. All boats rise together. Like that's how we work around here. And so you know, we work on a model that rewards both the operators long-term and the investors long-term. And so we typically will do a waterfall type structure. I mean, these are broad things. We'll typically do something for each brand based on what works best for them. But you know, starting off, it'll be something like 75% of the profits are going to investors until they recoup their money. And then from there, a 50-50 split because those investors took the most risk at the beginning. They should get paid out first. Then afterwards, your 50-50 split until your depends on the brand. It could be two or three times MOIC. And then after you achieve that, then the owner-operator will have 75% going forward. So they're incentivized to grow it long-term so that they can actually have more of the company themselves. And then our investors just get mailbox money for the rest of time. And so, um, you know, that's something where it's a really win-win structure. And 
Also, again, another thing I can't claim I created myself. I just surround myself with great people. One of our advisors in the company is the uh, co-head of franchise investment banking at Wuhan Loki. So, you know, I got to see what's worked in those bigger conference rooms and bring it to the individual investor and all the way down to the franchisee. In a typical startup investment, people are looking for that exit, right? That's it's eventually going to be sold. But in this instance, are you looking for the franchise to be sold? Or are you kind of just looking for that royalty check that comes in every month in perpetuity? That's the great thing is that we can create portfolios and offerings that meet different things. Some people are, are income-based, some are growth-based. And so some will be, hey, we want to hold on to this piece indefinitely. Others say, no, we want to sell that and get a good payout at the end and like cut that off. Um, and honestly, that's a great thing that we're excited about is that, you know, there are two ways that you, well, actually three ways you could exit. One is that we have trading on the platform. So if you need to exit earlier, you can exit by trading with someone else. We always steer people away from that because frankly, they're all term investments. You're supposed to hold them longer term. And so like, I'd rather you invest less and hold it long term than invest more and have to cash them out and not make what you thought you were going to. On the other side is that us private equity, large family offices love buying these things out so they can come to us and say, we want to buy all these out. It's usually going to be predetermined. But, you know, them deciding whether, like, hey, I would take an exit or I wouldn't. But then finally, I, my preference, actually, is that we've actually got a lot of banking partners that have reached out both to offer this to their clients as well as, like, lending options. And so in my ideal scenario, we are selling that last bit back to the owner-operator, that franchisee. And so basically, like, in the past, these people could not get approved for loans because those banks were looking at, okay, what's their net worth and what's their liquidity? Instead, when we partner with a bank and we could say, these are the people who started it and have run it the last five years. That's someone you want to give a loan to because they clearly can do it. That's why they have all these things in case it goes wrong. But when they've proven they can do it, now the banks are going to be a lot happier to do it. And frankly, ideally offering lower interest rates to them than if they were to do it from scratch. As an investor in the platform, are you always investing in individual franchises or are you doing this portfolio approach as well? So we're We'll be doing both in the long term. Um, you know, we started off with a portfolio approach because, again, most people don't know that much about franchises. So we wanted to show them the breadth of the industry and kind of get you know dip their toe in the water. Um, you know, next we'll be doing by brand, and so you can say, I like this brand. I want to help them build twenty locations of that in the New York market. And then eventually, you'll have things where I want health and wellness portfolios. I want the Chicago health and wellness portfolio. So, like when I go work out, or maybe I want to hit a med spa or anything like that, I can actually be spending something that I go to. Because that's really where crowdfunding's never seen this. You know, crowdfunding and especially alternatives, it's usually like, you're just getting access to something. You're not actually part of a crowd or like something local. And so when you think about it, when you have a New York fund, that's going to have where you get your haircut, go work out, go eat at, you're no longer spending money and giving it to someone else. You're reinvesting back into your own investment. You are being a customer of something that you own a piece of. So you're your own mini mogul. And then eventually my goal for a couple of years down the road, I, I have this picture. It's uh, for some reason I, I picked Jimmy John's for it, maybe because I'm in Chicago and I love him. But, you know, I can't wait for that day where you're going to walk into a Jimmy John's, eat a sandwich, say that was good, and see a QR code there that you can scan and buy a piece of that location you're sitting in. Like that's never been done in investing. You invest in real estate, you're often investing all the way across the country. Artwork, it's stashed in a warehouse somewhere. Franchising is community and people-based, and bringing that to the investment world is something that's, it's a whole new thing that hasn't been done. That would be so cool. And, and I'm such a big fan of actually encouraging small businesses, even where I live, like do a crowdfunding round, do a community round, get your community involved. And I think there's so much power in that. 
It's funny, I actually saw a business recently in my neighborhood that had a sign up looking for investors. And I don't think they know anything about crowdfunding and fractional ownership or anything like that. And it's like, this is what we're all working towards, right? It's this community ownership giving you access to these investment opportunities. There's one thing why it even more so works for franchising too, is that when you start a location, you're typically the boots on the ground. Like I'm the owner, I'm the one who's got to be in the community and say, hey, come on in, try what we're doing. But we changed the math there. It's not just that people are coming to you. It's that they're your customers. They're your evangelists. Like you're going to have the best openings of any brand because the people who invested are lining out the door and they're telling their friends to come there too. Crowdfunding was built for franchising. When you think about expanding into potentially getting a Jimmy John's or something like that with your deal sourcing mechanism, in a case like that, do you then go to Jimmy John's and have them find the best operators and help them get funded? Or are you finding the operators for Jimmy John's and saying, hey, you should fund these operators. Yeah, so you're looking for scalability. And I thought, you know, going through to vet in each individual deal is going to take a lot of time. And honestly, there's usually something wrong in one way or another. Like when you get to start from the foundation up, you can have better control. But when you are, you know, looking at like, hey, there's this, we're trying to acquire this, it's already happened before. Instead, we go directly to the brands and we say to the brands, are you looking to expand in new markets? They all are. What are your constraints? I need operators with capital. Well, do you know operators? Of course, they're everywhere. We know them everywhere. Well, we've got capital for them. And we're putting it in the hands of the operators who are actually going to be in the business, not who are going to be running it from a couple miles away or a couple states away. And for them, that is the ultimate win-win. They want owner-operators. Like Brands like McDonald's are shutting down hundreds of locations this year because people were running them from afar. And so now we get to bring the best owner-operators properly capitalized into the right locations with support from the community. I'd love to know if you can share some of the types of deals that you think will be coming to the platform soon. Really the one I'm excited about, we'll be doing like a uh, t- about 20 location med spa development in New York. And so, I mean, you'll get prime thing for print and cash. I'm very excited for that. Uh, we're working with a very large car wash franchise and I get asked about those all the time. Uh, cost 6 million bucks to get started. And those people are not working in them, I can guarantee you. Just about every brand you can, in industry you can imagine. So I can't put too much out, but uh, we're really excited and uh, just getting built. It's fun time. What does success look like for you guys over the next, let's say, three-ish years? Like to get to $250 million in gross investment volume on the platform. Three years will be a little too early for my QR code thing, I think, but it's not out of the question. And um, we'll work with dozens of, of the top brands and that you know, that everyone knows. Uh, all of those are really important to me. And also... Big thing is like upcoming partnerships. We got major sports, not just the teams, but the the groups that oversee them. Uh, so partnerships with athletes we're very excited for that are very, well, actually we already have some that invest in the company. So more things like that. You know, I, I really believe in community involvement and creating more diversity initiatives in the industry. I find that a lot of people who work in franchises are minorities who have no possibility of owning, which is wrong. And so really creating that ladder of how they get from working minimum wage to owning their own business. I think three years, I feel confident that that we'll have our first one of those, that they were hired into one of our first locations and they're now ready to go own their own. All right, last two questions for you here. The most important first question, what is your favorite franchise restaurant? You did specify it's a restaurant, which is good, because I always get, what's your favorite franchise? I'm like, it's hundreds of industries, come on. Um, people are gonna like this, but I'm a sucker for Taco Bell. And honestly, their breakfast, most people have not had their breakfast. It is the best breakfast in fast food by a mile. Noted. 
I'll to check that out. Second question for you. I can tell you that my favorite book about any sort of franchise that's ever been started was the Burger King, quite literally about the founder of Burger King. But I'd love to know what your favorite book is on franchising. I like reading the publications more, like Franchise Times, things that are like, what's really current? Because some of the things you can write books on in the past, like franchising evolves constantly, just like every other industry. There's only so many that are like core things that are stuck in there that will always be timeless. And so I do like to say that I like opening people's mind up that the franchise world is more than food. Because most people who started listening to this, they thought of McDonald's and Burger King when they saw the word franchise. And they just learned that Waste Management has franchises. And so that's what this is really about, too, is just opening up education about what franchising is. So for those who are interested, where should they go? What should they do? Come drop by on LinkedIn. Send me a connection invite. Mention that you heard me on this podcast because I always love connecting people who are fans of what we're doing. And then go stop by Franchares and go hop on the wait list, see what our next offerings are. And Aussie. Don't just sit and wait for the next offering. Start getting educated. You'll get like a guidebook to franchise investing because I believe you should be educating something before you invest in it. I know that seems to go against what people do these days, but I like to sleep well at night and that's by having people understand what they're investing in and happy with their results. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to use the same tools I do to find amazing founders like the ones I have on the show to power your investment decisions, you can head on over to kingscrowd.com backslash startups to try out our edge toolkit.